you would think that people wouldn't want to share their secret sauce and, you know, their tricks, but they actually really do, right? Because helping you or helping someone else in the community is making that community better, right? And together, if we can grow and become more successful, it's going to be better for me, it's going to be better for you, and it's going to be better for our neighbor, right? Because we're doing this together. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. What gets you up in the morning? What drives your decisions? What do you stand for? No idea? Not even sure where to start? I use my values to guide my life and career. It's the basis of how I've built boundaries for myself and stuck to them. Are you ready to dig into what matters to you? Go to thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet. That's thecatchgroup.com to download your free values worksheet to get to your core values and take action on what matters most. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm excited for you to hear my discussion with Misha Hamara. Misha is a highly accomplished leader in the construction industry, serving as CEO of Tricor Panels, a second-generation family business specializing in design, fabrication, and installation of architectural paneling systems for commercial and residential projects. Hamara's strong background in business management and communications stems from her degree in communication and media studies from San Francisco State University. Since joining Tricor Panels, Hamara has been instrumental in driving the company's growth. Under her leadership, they've become a major player in the industry, providing innovative solutions to clients throughout the Bay Area. In addition to her work at Tricor, Hamara is the president of the Women's Construction Owners and Executives, WCOE. California chapter, where she advocates for women's empowerment and equal opportunity in the construction industry. She is also a board member of the National Association of Women in Construction, NAWIC, the Silicon Valley chapter, where she actively contributes to the organization's mission of advancing women in the construction industry. Through her work at Tricor Panels, WCOE California, and NAWIC, Homera continues to inspire and empower women in the construction industry. Misha is a dog mom to a senior chihuahua, enjoys being outdoors, teaching spin classes, and exploring the food culture in San Francisco during her free time. In my discussion with Misha, you will hear how a pivotal point in her life changed her career trajectory into a completely different path. You'll hear about examples of how she's built an organizational culture that impacts not only the employees, but also the community. Misha talks about the importance of community for her own growth and development too, and how she's impacting the talent pipeline for the community and for women in construction 
with mentorship programs and through changing policies that benefit everyone. I loved how the examples that Misha shared in the construction industry were applicable to many other industries and sectors. She gives real examples about how you can build community and mentor no matter what stage of your career, what industry, or your role in the organization. Let's get started. Well, I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Laura. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I've been looking forward to our conversation and I'm just really excited to get to know you better. And so I'd love for that to be our first question. Tell me more about you. Please tell me about, you know, growing up, where you went to school, kind of career stuff. And any life stuff too, on this podcast, we are whole people. And so we don't just talk about work. So tell us, tell us all the good stuff. Sounds good. So I grew up in the Bay Area, in Los Gatos and Campbell area. And my plan, I thought I was going to be going into the cosmetology world. And um, I had an idea that I'll eventually open up salons. So in, in the senior year of high school, I actually shifted my schedule to go to cosmetology school and graduated summer after senior year. I, you know, was super involved with the beauty world. My friends would always ask me to do their hair and makeup and get everyone ready. And so I ended up doing that and kind of being in the beauty industry for a year and a half, two years. And on a happy accident, I, you know, got into a car accident in 2014, actually, which kind of hindered um, my entire life. I, you know, you grow up and you think that we have this plan and, you know, you kind of know what you want to do, you think, but, you know, life kind of throws a lot of curveballs. So early on, I kind of realized that um, things are going to shift for me. And I, you know, felt very lucky that at the time, um, my dad had started his business about two years in, and I kind of joined him, um, you know, after a few times, he questioned me, what's your plan? What are you doing? And you know, I was 20 years old, and I had no idea what I was doing. And so I ended up joining him kind of part time while I figure figure it out. I, I got into the, a really bad car accident, and I actually couldn't walk or sit for more than 1015 minutes. So, you know, my whole life kind of stopped growing up, I was super active, I was always involved with sports and um, just moving around. I'm a very hyper person, so it's hard for me to sit still. So having to kind of sit down and, you know, be forced to be grounded in a way, uh, kind of put a different perspective into my head of, you know, what actually matters. So I started, you know, realizing that my dad needs a little bit of help. Um, he had started the business and he had operations kind of down. And um, as I stepped into the office, uh, I realized that there's kind of some gaps that needed to be filled. Uh, our office manager at that time, she actually had an emergency and had to leave within a month of me starting. And so I ended up taking on kind of everything within the month and I knew nothing about the industry. So um, it was kind of a, an interesting shock for me, but that's kind of a little bit about my background and how I got into this. And um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing the pivot that your life has taken. Like, it's so interesting what we think our careers will be and what, what is interested and then what happens. And so I'm really excited to hear about, 
you know, your perspective. And once you jumped into this new world, you're in construction, you're like, you are like drinking from a fire hose as they say, right. And you're learning everything. In addition, it's a very male dominated industry. Yeah. Yes. Extremely. So tell me more about, um, tell me more about what that's like now kind of leading within a company that is, that is so male dominated and that potentially wasn't like your first trajectory, right? Very different industry in general. What was that shift like for you? Yeah, great question. So for me, I'm a, I'm a very extreme person in general. So if I, if I'm in it, I'm like fully in it. And so, um, as I kind of was in this role, uh, I realized, you know, I didn't know a lot. So I think curiosity helped me a lot in regards to understanding kind of what's going on and being able to navigate kind of this new world that I jumped into. So I would sit like a little fly on the wall in these meetings and write down all the terms that they would say, like COI, RFP, RFI, you know, and grateful to be around in the Google era because I was able to just Google these things you know, and on the car rides back, I would question, you know, the project managers or, you know, my father at the time, like, hey, like, what does this mean? Or how does this pertain right to our world? Right. And kind of think that helped me a lot with understanding. I think in this industry, uh, knowledge is power. The more that I think you have an understanding of what, what it is that you're talking about, what it is that you're looking at, right? If it's the plan set, is it the specs? Kind of just having the understanding I think that has really helped me and the other women on our team and the industry in general, I think, because we we know what we're doing, right? And um, coming into these rooms, having this kind of knowledge, I think shows a big deal to the men in the room. And I ended up going back to school. So I, I my vision was, you know, get my cosmetology license, work at the salon, go back to school and eventually open a business. I've always kind of had this entrepreneurial kind of style. I'll share with you my first job ever in a bit. And so, you know, that was kind of what I had thought. But as I stepped into the construction world, I ended up going back to school for communications and media studies. And I can't express how powerful that was for the industry. I think a lot of the uh, issues that we have are due to communication, lack of communication, miscommunication, because in construction, there's so many moving parts and pieces. If one piece of this puzzle isn't, you know, put in the right place or, you know, shared with the team, it really hinders the trajectory of the project. So I think being in those communications courses, being a part of the speech and debate team, honestly, helped me be able to have these kinds of conversations and especially like the awkward and uncomfortable conversations. And I think that that has, you know, shifted our um, culture and our company because I honestly wasn't afraid to just speak up. And I think that that was a, a big game changer and being able to have the conversation and educate our team, right. And talk about, you know, why is this the way it is and how can we, you know, take actionable steps to, you know, go forward and push past that and how we can kind of collaborate to be better, right? Like as we're growing and as things are shifting, as times are changing, we need to create the opportunities for underrepresented communities, people, cultures in this industry. And I'm really grateful that 
I have a team that believes in it. I think that's another, you know, big part of it is having that buy-in, you know, from the team because together we can, we can make the change. Right. But I think that buy-in and starting off with those uncomfortable conversations and education is um, I think really what was allowed me to kind of get to where I am now. I really love the fact that you brought up these uncomfortable conversations and the skills that is needed to do that. Can you give a couple examples just broadly about what are what are types of uncomfortable conversations that potentially you weren't they weren't having before but now um you do have and you are you are challenging the folks at your organization to have. And I think these are probably very common across lots of industries, but I'd love to give some examples if you have any. Yeah. Um, one simple example that uh, is really common is, for example, um, the porta potty situation on the job sites. So typically there isn't one, you know, set up for women and it's pretty disgusting, honestly, some of the porta potties. So um, one thing that we've kind of educated our team about is be that person, right? Like if you see something and if you notice something that's not right, just let the let the contractors know, right? We're a subcontractor, so we work with generals. So if we see something, you know, we've, you know, trained our team to, you know, let the general contractor know, hey, like, you know, this is what we saw, right? Or this is what we've noticed. Like, what can we do to, you know, to like push past this? Or is there anything that we can do to support you guys, you know, on getting what we need here, kind of being the person. And, you know, again, if you see something in the field, right, if you see someone, you know, not being the nicest or, you know, taking advantage of a situation, you know, speak up. So I think that's like the first thing that, you know, we've educated our team about is speaking up. We also believe in educating the youth. So a, a big part of all of this kind of comes from the way that our kids kind of grow up. If, if you ask kids right now to draw someone, you know, in the police force, firefighting, construction, right? Typically, they're going to draw a man or a male figure. So starting off early and kind of teaching the kids from early on that, hey, like, you know, this industry is actually, you know, open to everyone and starting those conversations off with the kids. And we've you know, our team, they do that. So it's really exciting. One of our superintendents the other day, actually, he told me it was the best decision he's made working for a female-led construction company because, you know, we want to be more than just a construction company, right? We're doing more than just putting up panels on framing on buildings. He says, I love that, you know, I get to go home and tell my daughter, like, this is the impact that we're making. And it all comes and stems from, I believe, is the communication aspect. I love that. And I and I love that even though we're talking about like literal porter potties, it's like yeah. it's the things, <laughs> it's the things that don't work for everyone in an organization, whatever it is, right? It's the speaking up for the systems or the processes or the policies that aren't helpful for everyone. Because once we get them right for everyone, everybody benefits. And it's really important, like you said, to have those difficult conversations to let them see the light so that we can actually talk about it and um, be proactive. And it does always start with communication. I love that example. Thanks. 
I love the example that you just described about your superintendent and he kind of talked about the culture of your company. So I would love to hear a little bit more, like, how do you describe the culture and the culture that you're, that you're changing to the culture that like really does emphasize this communication. Tell me more about how you build culture, um, as a leader. Great question. That's kind of been my biggest goal over the years of being involved with Tricor is, um, I wanted to create an environment where people are happy and want to come to work, right? They want to bring their friends to work with us. You know, they try to create this community. Um, Our mission is to build a successful future together. And what I mean by that is not only with our team, right, but with our clients, partners, vendors, our community, our future leaders. So um, we run our company on EOS. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's a it's an operating system, kind of like a blueprint for small businesses based off this book, Traction, written by Gino Wickman. So that, um, I think, really allowed me to create opportunities for everyone in the company to, number one, understand, you know, where they fit in this accountability chart and what part of, you know, what where what piece of the puzzle are they and how are they collaborating to this bigger picture? Um, and it allows everyone to come together weekly in their department to have a voice, to be able to, you know, number one, share what's going on, you know, all the good things, what's maybe not working, how can we collaborate and, you know, come up with solutions, right? And it gives them the opportunity to be heard and have a voice. And I think that's created, um, makes people feel good, right? When they know that they're a part of something, and that, that culture, you know, if you ask people on our team, they always say, it feels like we're just an extension of the family. So our business, you know, my father and I, we worked together for many years. So we're a second generation family business. And I'm grateful to hear that people that work with us feel that they're a part of that, you know, and I think that's been really big for us. And everyone also, you know, the idea of being more than just the construction company. So that's also been really you know, important for us. We, you know, want to be at 50% women in three years, right? And all of my team is, you know, in with that and they push for that, right? And how we do that is by, you know, working with, you know, our future leaders. So we created like internship opportunities, right? And mentorship opportunities and they're all in. So they come with me, we go to the different schools, right? We've actually hosted kids at our office and, our team, you know, teaches them about programming and AutoCAD design, and then they get to actually hands-on build something, you know, with, we have the biggest CNC machine uh, in the Bay Area, so they get to see it kind of in action and then hands-on build. So creating that sense of community, um, I think, has built our culture. And also exposing our team to opportunities for them to learn, right? So I always think we're always grasshoppers. We're like young grasshoppers and maybe wiser grasshoppers, but we're always learning. And so giving the team the opportunity to take advantage of, you know, courses, educational seminars, we bring in people, you know, for, you know, financial advising, right? Understanding how do we make personal budgets? So making sure that we take care of each other. And I think that's what's really built, built our culture. It's really the people. Yeah, I heard so many great examples of what you just described. It's it's creating an avenue for people to be heard. It, that's I really heard that from that example. And when you are able to do that, people feel valued, like they know that you're listening. 
Um, yeah. And then the tie back to the community and the way that you are not only, you know, bringing that in externally, but also creating opportunities internally too. And with very specific metrics also, like that's a, that's a big goal to be 50% yeah. women in three years. That's a big deal, especially in your industry. So I yes. love the transparency of that as well, so that everybody can kind of rally around that and work towards it together. Yes, it's incredible. So what has it been like for you to have those big goals to lead? You said second generation now, entrepreneur. What's it like when you're out? How do you build community for yourself? How do you support your own growth and your own development as you're in this um, in this role now? I honestly didn't even know a couple until a couple of years ago that there are these organizations that I can learn from and I can benefit from and I can help me. And I stumbled upon uh, NAWIC, it's National Association of Women in Construction, um, about four years ago. And they're an organization in which really, you know, women that are in the industry get together. They have many chapters all throughout the nation. Um, I'm a part of the Silicon Valley chapter and they get together monthly and it's, uh, educational, where we have a speaker come in, and then it's networking. So we get to meet all different kinds of people, you know, insurance, attorneys, owners, contractors, um, subcontractors like us, and kind of just help each other. Honestly, it's mm -hmm. a supportive network. We kind of ha uh, use each other as sounding boards, right? Anytime that I didn't know, like how to approach something, I was able to tap into this, you know, powerful group of women who really want to help, you know, like that's something I've noticed over and over again in these organizations is that people, people are good and people really want to help you succeed and finding those right people. I'm so lucky and blessed that I've had a couple coaches that have come into my life um, through these kind of events that these organizations host. And, um, it's really, really important. I think finding those people, finding your cheerleaders and the ones that are going to support you and not tell you that your dreams are too big and not tell you that this vision is crazy, right? And they're like, you know, you can do this. Like, how are we going to do it, right? Or what are the next steps you need to take? I think finding those people that are going to hype you up. I think as leaders, like that's, that's our role for our team constantly is to be the one that's kind of pushing forward, be the one that's kind of the energy. But sometimes as leaders, we need to refill our own tanks. And I think that's when these groups really come into play. Um, and I mentioned NAWIC, but uh, WCOE, Women Construction Owners and Executives, I stumbled upon them about three years ago. Uh, it's during COVID, actually. And that group, I, I can't express words of how grateful I am. Um, I actually was nominated and elected to be president this year of their California chapter, and we really push for policy change. So we we actually go to DC every year to lobby for um, changing the changing the industry. So last year we you know went in and talked about contractors have like a certain percentage that they have to meet with uh, minority-owned, women-owned, veteran-owned small businesses but no one really audits that. So we kind of went to Capitol Hill and pushed for the SBA scorecard reformation and also a way to help small businesses kind of not end up being like a, a bank for contractors in a sense. So figuring out a way, how can we help 
you know, these small businesses, you know, grow and be able to fund these projects. Um, and so it's, it's been really awesome. And again, just the support that you have in there is, is phenomenal. So I encourage you, right, to go out, go to these events. I know it's uncomfortable sometimes, right, but I think you're going to meet some really incredible and powerful people that can help you achieve, right, the goals that you have in mind. Yeah, I really like how you said, you know, as leaders, it's up to us to develop the our teams, but often it feels very lonely in these jobs, right? They're very big, like you're supposed to be the one in charge, you're supposed to know what you're doing, and to have these communities that you can rely on, uh, especially other women, I love those kinds of communities because it's like you can ask the question that you might not have asked somebody else. You exactly. do have those cheerleaders, right? And then look at you. You're like, you're in rooms now that you probably never realized that you would be in on Capitol Hill and doing this stuff in policy. Um, so still stretching yourself and developing yourself too. My award-winning book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want is now available in audiobook. Since the book released just last year, the biggest question that I've gotten from readers is, is it available in audiobook? In this book, you'll get to hear my most pivotal career stories and some of the successes of my clients as you learn about the values first framework and how you can take action on your life and career. The audiobook is narrated by me. So if you love this podcast, you'll love the audiobook. Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want, is now available on Audible and iTunes. I feel like these communities are also of kind of abundance. Do you agree? Like this idea, like we're all helping each other succeed as opposed to competition. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. There's people that are in the same trades in the same industries and we learn from each other right and we end up partnering sometimes with each other and learning from each other's mistakes and coming up with ideas like oh i didn't even think about that right and yeah. it's su it's super empowering like i want to say like what's the opposite of toxic and like yeah. you know uh it's it's you would think that people wouldn't want to share their secret sauce and you know their tricks but they actually really do right because helping you or helping someone else in the community is making that community better right and together if we can grow and become more successful it's going to be better for me it's going to be better for you and it's going to be better for our neighbor right because we're doing this together and i think Sometimes uh, as leaders, we tend to not ask for help and, you know, we try to figure out on our own, but having these pillars and having these, you know, people who are there and you're pushed to meet them monthly, right? It kind of creates an opportunity for you to open up and be like, you know what, maybe I do need some help or guidance, or maybe I, I do need to, you know, talk with Laura and ask her, what do you think about this? Or have you had these kinds of issues, right? Where we don't typically have that opportunity with our day-to-day -day friends, right? You know, in our personal life. So having this community gives you this, this resource, which as you said, you typically wouldn't have, and it opens up a lot of doors to potentials and, you know, ideas that you may have never even thought of. 
Yeah, I really like that. And it gives you the opportunity in a safe space to ask those questions for yes. sure. From others, like you said, I love the idea, like you mentioned, learning from their um, mistakes too. Such, I mean, the, the wealth of knowledge and the transparency in these groups is just, is so great. And then you get to give back as well too. So it's like, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of like, I need help, but then I can give help, but I can learn from others and I can teach others too. And, and then it enables you to do that within your organization as well. Yeah, yeah, it's all like a trickling domino effect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the ripples, right? In the water. I love it. So tell me a little bit more. You mentioned a little bit in terms of community. Can you tell me more about even some of the work that you're doing um, in terms of mentorship as we think about skilling for jobs and things like that? I That's fascinating to me because I think about the traditional like academic path that people usually take. But right now it feels like there's just so many really cool jobs that people are just not, not doing, not aware of, not understanding how to do the training. And um, sometimes it's in STEM, but sometimes it's in these crafts and trades and talk about what you, what you are doing there. I'd love to hear more. Yeah. As I kind of mentioned earlier, it's important, I think, to be educating the youth because, as you said, they're, they don't even know that some of these opportunities exist. Um, so something that we've been doing is we've partnered with a couple of different things. So one is we started working with ACE Mentorship. It's the Architecture, Construction, and Engineering Mentorship Program for underprivileged schools. And so we spend about 30 hours a semester going to the school, uh, mentoring the kids on how to actually start um, a construction project from the design to site planning to permitting to, you know, materials and scheduling. And then at the end of the semester, they actually present their project to a group of judges. And it's it's really cool. And they we get to teach them about all different kinds of parts and pieces of construction. Um, our team last year actually went and did like an estimating um, course for them. So they got to understand that. And then we became an ambassador for ACE and we actually hosted an intern at our company for the summer. Um, so we uh, did six weeks and he got to get his hands into kind of everything, working with our operations, working with our um, shop, working with our RMO uh, sales. So he got to kind of get a taste of everything. We also have started going to career fairs. So going to the colleges, um, speaking to these kids, or high schools, sorry, going to the high schools and speaking to the kids about, you know, the different opportunities. I, I think sharing my story has been really helpful for them to see that, you know, when we're like 16, 17, you think you know it all, but really we don't know anything. <laughs> Um, so I think hearing and like seeing, you know, that I had such a concrete plan and everything was kind of set for me in the sense of I'm getting my license, I'm going to school for business, right? I had this whole trajectory lined up, but things just don't always go the way that you expect. So I think having like being open, right, to the other opportunities and possibilities that you may have not even thought of or knew of like me. Like I never thought I'd go into construction, but um, I'm so happy and grateful I did because now I can, you know, help pave the path for the future and, you know, women and just the youth who don't really, you know, know that this is a viable opportunity. Um, I always do kind of a breakdown when I go and explain 
cost difference, right? When you go into debt and have student loans, or if you come and work with us, like as an apprentice, right? You're kind of making the six figures within four years. So there's a lot of opportunity. And I think just educating, right? And like talking about it, being involved with the community. We, you know, go to different cultural events and we have boots there. We kind of create little, almost like construction related toys for the kids to get mm -hmm. knowledge of, right? To see, like touch things, build things um, and just get them exposed to like, hey, that this exists in the world. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of a little bit about how we we get involved. I love that the very intentional outreach that you're doing and it will benefit the community. It'll also benefit your company by hoping to even bring in different talent and then diversify some of that talent to meet some of those goals. And I think it's a really, just really great example of how a leader, a company, whether you're at a big company or a small company, the very tangible ways that you can utilize your culture to be connected to community, to also help employee engagement, because I bet all the people that go to your, you know, those career fairs love that too. And they get, they get fulfillment from it as well, knowing that they belong to a company that does those kinds of things. And then they're more engaged as well as an, as employees. So I love this idea of how you're utilizing culture for not just internal, but also community building too. It's, it's, it's such an important example um, and a very tangible example that I think regardless of industry, there is a, um, an action that leaders can take leaders that are listening to this podcast can take on how do we do that? How do you, how do you link it back to community? How do you link it back to culture and um, employee engagement as well? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they love it. When we go to these events, they're, especially when the kids get excited, then you can yeah. see both of them, like the light bulbs are on. It's it's really awesome to see that. And they even asked me, when is the next one, right? So yeah. it's it's exciting for me that everyone is wanting to kind of push this forward. And you're right. It does give insight to um, your company too, because when they see this is how you are, they know that that's going to be replicated right internally. So I agree. I think if everyone could, you know, take one step and maybe just do one mentorship, right. Even if it's one per year, I think that's going to make such an impact on, on the kids. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing your career story. I think the takeaways from that alone are just so, so important in terms of like not having a written path to what your career is going to be. Your impact um, is not what you thought it was, but it's probably even greater than you could have even planned. You're still very early in your career. I love that there's just so much growth and community and like all the things that you're going to be doing, I cannot wait to see like all the other really great stuff that you're going to do. We're going to keep in touch, but um, what is the best way for us to like stay connected to you, to learn more about you and the company? Um, we can put it all in show notes, but what's the, what's the best way to reach out? Yeah, we're really active on LinkedIn, both myself and the company. Um, okay. So that would probably be the best way to reach out to me. Also my email, but I'm, I would say LinkedIn. Let's connect yeah. on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, we, we have all the social medias. If you want to follow us on Instagram, we post a lot. We're going to have a TikTok soon. So keep, keep, keep in tune and stay tuned for that. 
I love it. We'll put all of that in our show notes, but I just want to thank you so much for sharing your career story and your leadership story and culture story and how you are really impacting not only your company, but also the community around you. So thank you so much for your time today, Misha. I appreciate that, Laura. I think people like you who, you know, can see what I'm trying to do and want to help me show that I, I really appreciate it because as you said, I am, I am young and I am definitely not the typical, you know, person that you would see in this position. So I think I just want to thank you for, you know, allowing me to be here and be a part of this and share my story. And I hope that, you know, everyone listening, no matter where you are in your life, right, that you can do this and figuring out, you know, the who's there's a book that I'm going to recommend who not how it really changed my like perspective and understanding that it's not necessarily like, how do I get to that, you know, place, it's more so of, you know, who may be the right people or the right, you know, support groups or the right event, right, to kind of be at, to, you know, get to where I need to be. So who not how, Dan Sullivan. (laughs) Thank you so much. I love that recommendation. And I think you're just a really great example of, you know, the the podcast is called You Belong in the C-Suite. It is not like one specific type of person. And I love that you are in the role that you're in and you're making the impact that you're making because it is going to be that ripple that we talked about, but like your career is going to have, and your example is going to have such a ripple um, in the industry and beyond your industry, because you do belong in that role and you are making a huge impact. And I just can't wait to see all the other amazing things that you're going to do. So we're going to keep in touch and, um, thank you just again for sharing your story here today. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate it. I want to thank you so much for listening to the, you belong in the C-suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple podcasts by leaving a review. You are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S and E podcast management to get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values. Go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.